Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Very excited to get a chance to chat with you. Hi, Ben. Absolutely. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. So I run things a little differently here. I don't do the big, long, drawn-out intros because you're here. It's about you. And I would love if you could actually introduce yourself and tell us, um, you know, give us give us the 30-second overview and then um, then we'll do the deeper dive into your your story and your work and career arc and uh, talk about some of, the, some of the principles and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I just want to hand it over to you for a quick 30-second overview before we do the deep dive. Yeah, so my name is Tracy Green, and I'm the founder of Aura. Aura is the world's first digital fashion brand exclusive to gaming. I'm also the founder of Gamers Over Guns, which is a social outreach initiative here in New York City. And I've been a founder of Aurelian Icarus. That's a digital, digital and physical uh, accessories and jewelry brand um, based in New York. And I've been a serial entrepreneur for about, oh, since 1996. So long time. That's so I think it's e I think it's easy to say you've been a bit of a slacker and haven't uh, <laughs> haven't been busy at all but no I'm only kidding clearly you have a lot of a lot of interesting things going on okay well take us back to the beginning I uh, would love to just kind of hear like how I'd love to hear your story from the from the very beginning well I started uh I started designing in, in fashion in around 1991 in shoes, actually, it was in shoe design. I was actually asked to create this line of shoes, and that was in Toronto. And I was still a student in design school, and found out the founder was telling me that the shoes were so popular, young people were stealing them out of the shops. So when I heard that, I realized this is definitely the route I wanted to be in. I, I I'm definitely Gonna, this is a great sign that I'm on the right track. So I finished design school and I decided I wanted to go to New York and I took my collection there. Uh, I just basically piled my collection in a suitcase and I, I took a very unglamorous route via Greyhound bus from Toronto to New York City. I didn't know anybody. I had no mentors. I had no family out there, no contacts. And I just started knocking on doors. And eventually I found out through other boutiques because New York was very different back then. There was a lot of independent boutiques. I found out about international trade shows. And it was through those trade shows at the Javits Center that I started attending and showcasing. And within about two years, I was selling my line across eight countries with two showrooms and using four factories. And it was an incredible journey because I learned so much and I was still in my twenties. And that's how, that's how things happen. And then eventually after that, I made the jump over to Europe and I was in the UK and Europe for about uh, close to 20 years. And I had, by then I had, uh, I had a child and I had gotten out of fashion and I was speaking with somebody about becoming, getting back into uh, business again. And this person said, why don't you go into jewelry? Cause jewelry is small, you don't have to worry about bolts of fabric to carry around or patterns. 
And that's what I did. I got into jewelry and it was a lot easier. There's the, the return rate was so much lower than, than apparel and the margins were bigger. And in during COVID, I had heard about digital fashion and I, I kind of forgot about it because I just got distracted with everyday business. And it wasn't until I was asked to do a clubhouse talk with a digital, a plat, digital fashion platform based out of Paris uh, with a digital accessories platform based in um, Austria that I realized that this was something seismic happening in the fashion industry and I needed to be a part of it. So I, after that talk, I went down to Decentral Miami. And for those that don't know, Decent uh, Miami is the hub spot for crypto and NFTs in the US. And, and this was still during COVID. Um, and I, I uh, really didn't know what I was getting into. But I just decided, I felt very uncomfortable, but I decided I need to push myself in order to get into the space and to innovate. And I just started approaching um, digital fashion designers and, and, and Web3 renderers. And I said, look, I don't know anything about Web3, but I'm very interested in this space. Would you like to collaborate? And to my surprise, they said, yes. So that's how it started. That's how I got into digital fashion and my career has really, uh, it's really accelerated into, uh, into tech, which is something I'd never thought I would be in uh, before. And it has really brought me uh, a new audience that I never thought possible. And it's been fantastic. And it's now I've gone completely 100% digital with Aura. So Aura is making, uh, we're a fashion brand in gaming. Uh, it's been super exciting. Wow. So basically you went from starting at knocking doors or knocking on doors rather yeah. to now building out the future of design and fashion mm -hmm. in, and I'll call it the metaverse. Yeah. In the, in the digital world. Right. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. Well, a couple of things I want to unpack there for a second. Sure. The first is when you went from knocking doors to then two years later, and you had a massive platform or at least way more than nothing. What did it actually take to get there? Like what, if, if that feels like that was your Rocky cut scene, that was probably two of the hardest years of your career. Maybe we can dig into that and like unpack some of the lessons there, or maybe just give us a better understanding of what did it actually take to go from nothing to something? Great question. I, it, it took a, a lot. I, this was, keep in mind, this was the nineties. This was before e-commerce was widely available. There was, there was only there's maybe there was it was so little people hadn't heard of it and this was before social media so you really couldn't get your brand across like most people like most brands do these days the way I did it was I went to these trade shows and it was buyers from all over the world these were boutique buyers so it was an international trade show for boutiques and the reason why I focused on boutiques compared to going to department stores was Boutiques are a lot more 
they're a lot more flexible and they're independent. Whereas if you go to sell your stuff at a, a Saks Fifth Avenue, Nordstrom's, most of the time, they, most likely they will give you a manual about an inch thick of how they want their products, want your products presented in their store. So in fact, it's like creating a whole new product just for them. So it's very time consuming and it costs a lot of money with your margins that are much, much lower than if going to a boutique. So really, I don't mind not seeing my, I did not mind not seeing my name in a Nordstrom. I didn't approach them. I would rather have higher margins and go to these independent boutiques where they're a lot more flexible, a lot more flexible and uh, very open. So my margins were much higher and it worked out. It, uh, it was great. Yeah, that's incredible. So you kind of figured out, you figured out your niche and where you could actually compete and, and get onto the scene there, it appears. Yeah, I did. And it was, and it, it happened so fast. I remember, <laughs> I, I just remember if I was looking for different factories to, to help me. I remember that very, actually the very first trade show I went to, uh, I'm from Canada, I'm from a very small Northern town in Canada and looking at my sales. And I remember calling home to my parents and telling them, <laughs> Uh, do you mind mortgaging, remortgaging your house? Because I gotta, I gotta find out a way how to pay for the labor, materials and labor to get these orders out. And my dad saying a big fat no to me, <laughs> but they were floored when they saw when they heard about the, the sales were coming, and they they told me go to the bank. So I went to the bank, and I will never forget. I was just. I was just a kid really. And I was going, I was like on the 26th floor or something, you know, this skyscraper. And I, I had my business plan in hand. I had all, all my, uh, I had my sales and presenting to the banks uh, what my company was about and, and getting that very first business loan. It was scary, but in a way it wasn't scary because the loans officer for this big bank was a woman and she was a woman of color like me and it was seeing her really it made me feel calm I, I as soon as I saw her I thought okay I, I can do this because she just she looked like me and I felt like okay she gets it maybe she gets my my, my background and my my experiences so yeah that was that was something um I will never forget what a pivotal moment I feel like there are very, very, very few of those in in someone's career that is actually like a defining moment for them, but it seems like that was one of yours. And okay, so so maybe catch us catch us up in, in history then to this transition from physical and what has been done since the beginning of time with when, when it comes to fashion into now digital and it's a brand new world, a brave new world. And you're now seeing what's going on here. What was that moment? And I, I know you described it a little bit, but maybe you can give us a little more insight into how you were thinking about this and what, what was really clicking there. But what was the moment where you were, where you got it, 
with with digital fashion and just the you saw where things were going. What, what were those mental models you were using there? How did you come to that conclusion? Take us through that thought process. There were several different factors to consider that were really win-win situations. Uh, the first one was environmentally. It was a lot lighter on the planet. So and in fashion, you have your fast fashion. So you have all these different styles coming out and you're stuck with a lot of inventory that doesn't sell. What do you do with it? And the costs of making one sample is expensive. And, you know, I have, I remember one time there was a UPS strike going on and I nearly lost it because that they were carrying my, my materials, my fabrics over from the U.S. to Canada. And now if I'm late getting orders out, my buyers could cancel. So that was frightening for me. And another factor is you really consider going back into inventory with uh, traditional fashion or any kind of traditional products, you're stuck with inventory, whereas digital fashion, they're limitless, the digital, the downloads. So you can only really pay for the labor for that one image and you can use it and resell it as for infinite times. And these images, they don't degrade like fashion does. They don't degrade over time. They don't get lost. They don't get stolen. And you can source your employees all around the world. You can price things out. If, if the US dollar is stronger than other countries and these countries have fantastic talent, why wouldn't you use them? So there's a lot to consider and also logistics. You don't have to worry about strikes going on or, or you know, like I, I remember I went during COVID, one of my, um, well, actually during the, when the war broke out in the Ukraine, one of my suppliers in my digital brand, he makes my, my jewelry boxes. Um, before the war, he's based in the Ukraine. And the week before the, the war started, I contacted him and I said, are you still, what's going to happen to business? Am I still going to be able to use you as a supplier? And he said, yes, don't worry about it. That's all fake news. It's not going to happen. And what happens? The war broke out. And so he was very limited in supplies. And I had to go to China to, to get something done. And what happened in China? China, we had these huge COVID lockdowns. So even though they wanted to make my boxes for me, they couldn't because they couldn't get, they weren't allowed to get to their factories and things were being shipped because of these very stringent law lockdowns that were happening. So with digital fashion, there's there's so many pluses to it. And and you got to realize for some people that that think it's a, a gimmick or something, it's this is a, a digital renaissance that's happening right now with Web3 and AI. And it's not going away. So if you don't, if you don't embrace it, you're as a company, you're going to get left behind. So it seems like there are a lot of advantages on supply chain, the supply chain side, environmental side. It's obviously easier to move something that's digital than it is physical. You don't have the the I'll say burden of physics <laughs> or, or, right. or at least, you know, the, those things that are, that are um, obstacles to you getting what you want. However, the big elephant in the room that I want to address, because as big of a proponent and believer of the metaverse and web three, 
and by the way, just for super, super quick clarity's sake, I want to define the metaverse real quick. The metaverse is simply the internet. It is just the next generation of the internet. Is it going to become more immersive? We're all using technology. We're using our phones, our computers, our blah, blah, blahs, the off screens. That's the, we're all using the internet. It's all connected. That's the metaverse. It's just going to get more immersive. So as and I'm a huge believer of technology and, and web three and all the, the fun things that come along with that. However, there is the one still big drawback of we can't physically put on a shirt that exists solely in the metaverse. Like I can't, I can't go out in public IRL and wear a shirt that I bought in the metaverse on my, on my back to go into a restaurant. I would get turned away. So that's just, that's just one thing um, that I think is a something to, to keep in mind and a, a big, I don't want to say issue, but definitely an obstacle and something that we should keep in mind. Um, so I want to just kind of put that out there and let's just address it head on. The metaverse is an immersive space where people can have the opportunity to be on a platform to meet with other people from all over the world. So that's what's so special about it. And it's also important to learn to know that even though you have companies like Meta and Disney leaving their uh, in programs uh, dedicated to the metaverse, that it's still here. It's going to continue to grow and it's an experimental phase right now. So we have to give it some time. Obviously, there's lots in development. It will become more sophisticated over time. And it was very popular during COVID. And there's going to be different uses for the metaverse as well as we move on as time progresses. But let's also remember that the metaverse is not just for meeting spaces, uh, like for, for companies, it's also gaming. And we have huge, huge traction in gaming. For example, Roblox, you have 60 million daily active users. Fortnite, very similar. I think they're a little bit more, 70 million daily active users. We have Zepetto, an Asian video game. They have a 300 million user database. So there's huge opportunity for to be in this space. And it is not it is not going away. It's going to continue growing and it's exciting. And there's lots of opportunity happening here. And that's why I, I realized, you know, I started out in as fit in digital fashion. And I was experimenting to see what works, what doesn't, as a lot of companies do. And I had, during COVID, I had called big companies, call me up doing mentorship calls. And they wanted to know what, what was the best route because I don't think anybody did back then. Um, it, it seems so long ago, but it was really only two years ago. But yeah, it's trial and error to see what works and doesn't work for your business. 
NFTs, it's it's different. Not everything made is going to sell as an NFT. You can't have an NFT of flooring. Nobody's going to want to buy that. You got to have an NFT that people are going to want to collect. So if you're a big name brand, I think if you're a luxury brand, if you're an interesting artist, um, musician, you have there's opportunity there. But for me, I realize, you know, there's great value getting into the gaming space. And I was ready to take a big risk and rebrand. I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs love risk. And that's just something I, I, I do. I, I redefine myself. I reinvent myself um, over time in order to stay uh, relatable. So I, I want my consumers. I go where the consumer demand is. And for me, this is a good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. And just to kind of to continue addressing the elephant in the room of like, okay, there's physical fashion, there's digital fashion. Why would I want to participate in digital fashion versus physical fashion? Just to kind of address that head on, one of the things I think people really overlook is that a lot of the critics of the metaverse and of digital versions of physical reality are typically going to be older people. And one of the things that those people would, I would recommend that they consider, obviously do whatever you want. But one of the things that I would recommend everybody consider is the fact that the audience for these technologies are not going to be people that are older in their years because the people, so I'm 28 as of the recording of this, People my age and younger have grown up in digital worlds. We've grown up playing video games. We've grown up spending money in these games. We've grown up transacting and trading and building relationships and building community and doing different things within these virtual worlds. Technology is a one-way street. It does not go backwards. I very, Well, let me rephrase that. Basically, only one time it went backwards, which was in the dark ages. But that, that's not going to happen when it comes to the technology that we're talking about here, unless there's a nuclear fallout, in which case we have bigger problems. But as soon as the younger people who have spent the majority of their lives interacting digitally, once they have the buying power of the world, which is an, is an inevitability, then they're going to just continue doing what they've done before. So they are the target market. They are the ones who are going to inherit the buying power, and they're the ones who want to spend money on this kind of stuff. They want their characters in games to look cool. They want to be cool in games. That's how they flex. That's how they represent themselves. And that is – so it's a different conversation. It's like why physical versus digital? That's not the question. It's who is going to invest in one versus the other. And the who is the young people because that's what they've grown up with. Yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on there. This is about self-expression. People have people in that are involved in Web three or like to go into like to game or like to go to Decentraland. They have two identities. You've got your in real life identity, and then you've got your online identity. And what's so special about the metaverse? It just it's all about self-expression you can be whoever you want to be and you can be it's limitless so you can really 
experiment with what you want to be and what you said about your, your the buying power in the metaverse. That's the sweet spot for business is finding where where people are spending their money here in Web3. For me, I see the spending power in marketplaces, in Web3 in web marketplaces that have high traffic volume. It's got to, you got to have that high traffic volume. And, and this is the route that for me, I feel comfortable with knowing that this is a, this is a path to profitability. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So let's talk a little bit about where you see in the, like actually in the industry and using technology, building technology, being an entrepreneur in that space. Let's actually go the other, because I feel like we we're kind of catering to like those that are a bit skeptical. I want to go the complete opposite direction to those that are like, okay, okay, yes, we get it. We believe the same thing that you believe. We see the world in a similar way. Tell us what is on the bleeding edge of what's here now and then what's coming and help us understand what the future of this is going to look like. Give us some, give us some, uh, some fashion alpha, if you will. Well, we're already seeing what AI can do in web three. So a lot of companies like myself, we're using AI to develop our, our products. So we like to experiment and mess around there only as a tool. We will never like for me, my company, we will never use that as a product. We just use it for inspiration and see what kind of things we can come up with. But I do think on the horizon, you're going to see something very kind of science fiction. I'm already seeing bits of, bits of it on posted on LinkedIn, and that is the, the, the um, selvage between uh, in real life and, and online worlds colliding together so you could be you're, you can be wearing a t-shirt somewhere and that t-shirt's going to have images moving on it so it's it, it's 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 wild and it's crazy and I, I encourage everybody to go check out shows like digital fashion week so a digital fashion week um, is a multi-day show that's held in new york London and Paris, where you can see runway shows in real life. And then you can also try on and view digital items, digital fashion items. It doesn't have to be the digital twins. It can be uh, one-offs of something amazing and incredible to see what's going on in, in fashion and learn about the next steps in innovation. We also have a lot of big brands that come down there and they do their scouting at this event as well. So that's worthwhile saying that the shows are in, it's coming this September, uh, starting off in, in New York. You don't actually How have exciting. to be there. Yeah, you don't have to be there in person, but you could also witness it online, but it's exciting to see it, to go actually down there in New York if you happen to be in, in any of those three cities. Yeah, it's exciting. And then how are you thinking about the the folks that are like building out new technologies and letting people create their own pieces and then having those pieces um, become NFTs that then they can sell. Like one of the things I see that's a big opportunity is almost crowdsourcing designs or crowdsourcing patterns or art or different 
um, whatever the, the different variables are that can be crowdsourced, crowdsourcing all of those from the communities and the people um, within a specific community and letting that become um, a product. And for, I'll give you an example. For uh, Nike's dot swoosh, I think that's a brilliant idea of them creating that kind of separate brand. It's a little bit separated so they can have a little bit more flexibility there. One thing I'd love to see them do is I would love to see them allow all of their users and all the people to create whatever kind of virtual or digital design when it comes to the shoes or the shorts or the pants or the shirts or the hoodies or the hats, whatever, and then let each of those designs become NFTs. And anytime anybody purchases one of those NFTs, let the original creator of that, the original designer, get a piece of the get a piece of the action so let them earn a royalty every time that design is purchased and, and generates revenue and then those designs could then be integrated into different games within the metaverse and the different worlds and then you can have people building their own businesses within other businesses and that just seems to me like a huge opportunity are you seeing things like that or is that just a little bit of a different ball game um, where one's more designer focused and like very high skill level art focused and the other ones just seems more of like a mass, um, just kind of open sourcing something and then allowing people to attach uh, royalties to it? Well, I think the general concept of what you're talking about is already being done with royalties and smart contracts. So if something is sold on and sold on and sold on, there's still going to be royalties. It, it depends on what the what is written in the smart contracts. But yeah, I love the idea. I I, I think it's great. It would be, the, I think the biggest challenge is getting people access to using those programs where they can make these renderings that are made in these three-dimensional render, renderings. So you need to, you need to have a program like like Blender or Clo Clo 3D or something like that to to work on them. So it's Blender is a open source, so it's easy for anybody to get their hands on it. Um, but it would be something um, helpful to have to have a program that is very easy to use to be able to make these these NFTs your own custom NFTs as well. And then you you know I think Nike is a great example. But if you were to make your own custom NFTs, I, like I said before, you, it's advisable to go to a platform where, where, there, where there's already high, high traffic, where there's a community built up of people that understand the value behind collecting NFTs. Because if, if, there's, if there's no traffic there and um, you're on the wrong site, or if the founders behind the, this NFT platform are not in fashion, or maybe they are doing this part-time, this is a hobby, they could, you could be stuck with uh, making these, um, these NFTs on their site, and then you might not be able to get them out of the site. So look into the traffic. Uh, you have to consider if you're going to be selling NFTs, look to see what platforms you're going to be, you want to be on, do your research, Find out who the founders are if they're in, if they have any kind of like Web three background, 
they have a tech background, if they have a business background, if they've done something like this before, also contact the people that are on the designers that are on the sites, the same platform and ask them, how much have you sold? Are, are you happy being here? What is the, are they paying you on, on time? What um, is this, um, or, yeah, that's that kind of thing to make sure that 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 you're because you're really you're investing your your product somewhere you want to make sure that you're going to be paid and paid on time and fairly and, and get that promotion from this platform that you need in order to sell. Yeah, that's really interesting. So okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um really the main focus of because obviously you just uh, exited stealth mode and congratulations, by the way. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what your main focus is with the business at this point. And then what are you really seeing as the trajectory for which y'all are going to work on over the next five, 10, 20 years? The number one, um, the number one idea behind Aura is we want to be the go-to digital fashion brand in gaming. So we want to be a recognizable brand in gaming. Right now in gaming, for example, Roblox, there's two types of people on, on Roblox that are selling these wearables. One, you have their, you have your amateurs, and these are people that do it for fun. It's like a hobby for them. It could be students. Uh, they, they put it up for sale every once in a while. And then you have your big brands like Gucci and, and Ralph Lauren, but they are not in this for, this is not their, this is like more like a side project for them. Where Aura comes in is that Aura is a, a main brand that is, this is our main focus in, in gaming. So we're gonna build out, we are building out Roblox. We're building out a big presence on Roblox using in-game, uh, using designers that are endemic to the games. That's very important because you wanna make sure that what you're selling is gonna resonate with players. So you need to know what is selling, what players want, what they don't want, what, what they're favoriting. So that's, that's where Aura comes in. We're gonna be a, like a number one go-to brand, recognizable brand in gaming. We're starting off on Roblox and then we're moving on to different games as we go and using those different designers that are already endemic to the games. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. I, I really see the value in, um, in, in finding out what the, the players actually want. I think that's something that a lot of games are going to struggle with or projects are going to struggle with because most of them aren't really building with consumers in mind. And the reason I say this is because a lot of the games that we're seeing right now are just not very sticky. Like you get a lot of players and then they just kind of leave. And, you know, you may only keep 10% of the players you get. That's a very leaky bucket. So I like, I, like, I definitely like that approach. Thank you. Well, cool. Um, well, I just kind of wanted to give you a chance to maybe talk a little bit more about the the future of what you're seeing as far as metaverse fashion goes. And um, I know you're also on um, you're on the metaverse um, 
council, I believe, and a couple of other different organizations. Um, so, you know, maybe um, we could talk a little bit about kind of what what the other uh, experts around the world are are thinking there too, and just give us kind of a snapshot of what what you're thinking is going to happen, and then um, then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. There's two things that pop to my mind uh, about how things will evolve in, in in Web3. The first one is things are going to get more sophisticated. We're already going to, we're already seeing it. So as technology changes, software changes, we're able to make different things. We're maybe we're able to create colors and reflections and textures to make them as hyper-realistic as we can. When avatars first came out, for example, on spatial, they were missing limbs and legs. They were just floating around with torsos and a head. So that's starting to change now. So they change their avatars and we're also seeing avatars becoming less cutesy and, and more like how we prefer them to be. So they would reflect how we want them to be uh, more adult looking. And secondly, we are going to see more interoperability of where we can go in, in these different metaverses and take the take our digital assets with us, but that are not so that they're not confined to one different one platform. We want to be able to take them everywhere. And we're seeing that now. And lastly, actually, um, being able to sell your NFTs. If you are a, a, a business, you don't necessarily have to go to a platform now. I'm starting to see that that companies can actually sell their NFTs on their own website. So I think as consumers become more educated to the benefits of NFTs and wearables, so AR filters, you're going to be able to download them and, and buy them easily on the, your brand's website of choice. So there's going to be a factor, a big factor of things becoming easier to use, convenience, and changing, uh, the visuals are changing to how we want them to look in, in wearables. That is going to be a very exciting future. Mm -hmm. And I think the, uh, the, the fans of Snow Crash or the, the fellow fans of Snow Crash and Ready Player One will be very excited when that when that happens. I know personally, I'm very excited to play as my um, my profile picture and my avatar in all the various games because, yeah, I mean, that's just going to be awesome. Why would you not want to do that? You you chose that one for a reason, so you you, know, you might as well want to play them in all the various games. Well, cool. Well, uh, I'd love to just kind of see how this all plays out and. When some of these ideas start to really take shape and take form, uh, yeah, maybe it'll make sense to come back on the show, do a follow up, and talk about what we see in the next, you know, the next couple of years from there. But um, yeah, it's really been a pleasure, and I appreciate you hopping on the show today. Thank you very much, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Definitely. Well, again, Tracy, thanks so much, and to everybody who is uh, attending here and stuck with us at the end. I appreciate you and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care.